Hello and welcome to the Can You Hear Me podcast. I'm Preet and I'm joined as always with Pav. Hi everyone. And I, we- I, Can I just tell them how many times we've done that oh outtake? God. Just just that hello and welcome. Intro, yeah. yeah. Uh, a gazillion times and then every time we'd say it we'd just like burst out <laughs> in laughter for no reason. But the intro is the hardest part. Though. And it's, it's the way you say it, babe. Hello and welcome. <laughs> you have to have it. a hook. Yeah, love it. Hook That's the audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, by audience, you mean Alex, who's listening to us. My boy, is, he's out there in Greenford listening. And we got eight total listeners. One's in yeah. Brazil. Amazing. Yeah, so shout well, out to you. Yeah, who are the others? Uh, mostly UK. Okay. That's that's really good, I think. Uh, yeah. Spotify analytics, we get loads of data. <laughs> you can see the age ranges. All sorts of stuff. That's good. What are the age ranges? Mostly in the 25 to 30, which is me and you. But we're listening back to (laughs) the episode one. Wait, was it just me and you listening to it over and over? I think so. Oh, God. Okay. Well, I'm really pleased with the way the first episode went. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who haven't listened to it yet, we would recommend you going back listening to that so you know exactly what it is that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, As always, Preet's going to talk you through the episode that we're going to discuss today. Okay, so this is a review of Season 4, Episode 5 of Esther Perel's Where Should We Begin podcast. This episode is titled, It's Very Hard to Live with a Saint. It is very hard to live with a saint, isn't it, Bob? <laughs> do you have any experience living with a saint? Mm-hmm. I well, I, I do. I live with a saint, don't you? Aww. <laughs> um, but I, I, can, I can imagine it being quite hard. It depends what a saint-like they are. Hmm. Or if they think they're a saint. Yeah, um, then we're going into some territory that I like to talk about. Oh, oh, Hang on, guys. We'll oh, talk about it later. Dropping, dropping clues. Okay, so in this episode, we have a couple who have been married for just over a year. And um, they've come to Esther at the point at which they're having frequent explosive arguments and fights. Um, which are leading to basically threats of divorce from, from the woman. So they're pretty much... At the brink, you would say. Um, so my first theme is all around kind of the paradoxical nature of humans. Um, and to explain this, I'll bring it to life. I've got a Star Wars analogy. Amazing. I have not watched Star Wars. No Star Wars? Nope. I, am I disappointing you? The first trilogy? The second trilogy? Nothing. The new ones? <laughs> no idea. Okay, babe. Well, so for you, have you to talk me through this. yeah. Well, for you and, and the rest of the audience. Um, <laughs> By that you mean the one person who's listening to us. The guy in Brazil, <laughs> homeboy in Brazil. Um, yeah. So that. So well, even if you haven't seen Star Wars, you may have seen this meme. It's memes. A, it's a meme. Throw me some memes. There's please. a meme of uh, one of the Jedi talking to Darth Vader, basically telling him he became the very thing he swore to destroy. For those of you not aware, Darth Vader was formerly Anakin Skywalker, who was basically considered to be uh, kind of the hope for the Jedi to destroy the Sith and the darkness and bring, you know, Jedi ways to the world. But but Anakin was corrupted down his path um, uh, by the Emperor of the Sith and then became basically a tyrant, uh, a, Je- uh, a Sith tyrant. Um, uh, at which point he became the very thing he swore to destroy. Mm. How that relates to this episode is you have um, the man here, I think, from a very young age, um, basically through 
observation of his mother and father's relationship built this idea that women can be uh, manipulative and um, men can be manipulated by women um and uh he sort of he mentions in the episode he swore very early on in his life that he that wouldn't happen to him basically and consciously or subconsciously he basically established this defense mechanism of being a manipulator a master manipulator as esther kind of quotes uh it and what makes you what makes you say that i'm interested to know what makes you think he's a manipulator well there's a few examples in the episode um one small things but it's usually the small things that kind of you can use to identify bigger things so when she asks him about you know why don't you ever buy me flowers then his response is why don't you ever buy me flowers yeah, so he was so offended kind by of that, a dear. kind of a defensive stance yeah um and felt like he's being attacked um and then the women i mean more directly the woman at the end of the episode basically says she feels like she's being gaslighted by by the man yeah which i thought was really interesting mm. you know for someone to actually say that in those very words that i feel gaslighted um and gaslighting for those of you who are not familiar with the word it is a form of um, emotional abuse where the person who's experiencing gaslighting feels like they are losing their mind because this abuser constantly tells them that what they're thinking is not actually reality, even though it might be. Mm. Um, and then it gets to a point where you start questioning your own sanity. Mm. Exactly. You lose touch with your own reality, which is quite scary if you think about it. And so for her to even recognize that mm. and to say it, it stood out as a red flag to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just an interesting theme and it's it's so ironic in a way but i just feel like that's the world works it's like the thing you tend to try and avoid is the thing that you ultimately will have to face it's really interesting right because also when you think about bullying it's it's almost like the person who was bullied ends up becoming a bully Mm. himself um and a lot of it has to do with power Mm. right so when you're being bullied you feel so powerless Mm. and then the only way you feel like you can get out of it and regain some sort of power is to bully someone else. Yeah. And so essentially what you know we as humans do is fight for that power because we don't want to feel like we'll be left behind mm. and then try and become that something which you know may not actually be good. Mm. Yeah, I think there's so many small examples in this episode that demonstrate that. I think that actually it's a really good way to think about it. So, for example, when he... He say he talks about how when he comes home and opens the door, yes. the woman doesn't really come to greet him, and he feels offended by that or feels some type of way about it. As, um, and Esther to that says, "Well, why don't you get off the couch and go say hello to her?" Exactly, but but I mean, if you think about that, the only way you would be offended by something like that is if you had this kind of power dynamic front and center of your mind right it's like if you if you're not thinking about things uh, in terms of she needs to come and greet me Mm. because of you need to establish some sort of weird power dominance yeah because otherwise i will feel powerless and he doesn't want to feel like his father you know Mm -hmm. weak yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like even even her just sitting on a couch is a is is a is a 
you know, builds, it has a significance greater than what it is. It's not just someone sitting on the couch, which to a, you would think in a normal sense, it would just be, you know, someone sitting on the couch. It's no big deal. <laughs> but yeah. you have these, these fra- so basically social frameworks in your mind to think about things through. Um, and you act it out probably subconsciously. I don't think you're aware of the fact that this is why you're doing it, but it's just built in you, like you say. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's that's basically the lens you're looking through yeah. the world. And um, for a woman who doesn't have that context, looks at it as why why is this man being so rude, or mm-hmm. you know why why does he sit there feeling so entitled? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's where things go wrong. So if you don't actually understand where these are actually stemming from, mm-hmm. things can be miscommunicated or misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think that social sort of framework he's built in his mind and that view of women uh it's it's quite a generalized theme over the years you see um these sorts of femme fatale characters that that men think about um uh, typically that type of seductive manipulative woman this is it's very it's a common theme over the years um i think one of the ways to really get a sense of his psyche is the actually um he mentions a song, a, a bodero, in the episode that he listens to when he feels up sad. Um, and he relates to the character in the episode. Now, do you want to hear the read the lyrics to this? Yeah, let's do song. it. I was going to say, if we played it, we probably would get copyright issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, so this is a song called La Copa Rota by Jose Feliciano. And this is just the first verse, okay? Okay, let's hear it. Confused and overwhelmed by doubts and jealousy. He is at the bar, a hopeless bohemian. His nerves are shattered in an endless cry, madly tormented by the flight of the ungrateful one. I mean, it's pretty self-evident there that this is a man who feels like he's being done wrong by by a woman, right? And he's, you know, he's going crazy, basically. Mm. Um, and... And this is a pretty common thing. You can even think about it in terms of people, you know, like the goth character, people that feel sorry for themselves. You know, why is this happening to me? I, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. It's that kind of that kind of um, mentality, I think. Is it really happening to him, though? Or is it just he's so hung up on this idea of this is how it is supposed to be? Because that's all he's seen. And so... He plays it out in a way that's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that was another thing I wanted to talk about, actually. Babe. It's really around how kind of personal insecurity and inferiority will kind of paradoxically create an outsized mm-hmm. sense of self-importance. So the fact that he has these insecurities, fears around women, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you must build it outside sense of importance because you then tend to believe that everything all the social interactions that you have you view through this lens um you know you think everything has something to do with you mm. basically and actually it doesn't really doesn't so yeah, it's some, so insecure yeah right? yeah and and it's and it's a problem because um you know if you're in an if if even if you know your partner's saying they don't they're upset or they're angry or whatever it may be it may have something to do with you, it may not, but you will take it personally every time. So you're not able to just think about, okay, this person is upset. How do I help them? Instead, you think, oh, you know, 
I didn't do anything. Why are you upset? That kind of thing. You take it personally. So you, you know, you have to let that person have their feelings and not interject into those when, with your own, um, with your own opinions and feelings about that. So now, what you've just said actually ties in really well with the theme, the only theme that I want to talk about, and it's narcissism <laughs> uh, or narcissistic personality disorder. Now, a funny story: when Preet and I first started dating, he asked me the sort of things that I enjoy you know, subjects that I enjoy reading about or listening to. And I think I remember telling him that narcissism was one of it. No, but okay, think about this in terms of like dating on a dating app. Like, you know, you just text people, like, oh, so yeah, what are you what are you into? Like you reading something or whatever, hobbies. And then you just came up with this whole MPD. Uh, <laughs> Hit like, you with it. <laughs> passion. Like you, and then you gave me this whole moral dilemma as this question um yeah so so i am quite passionate about the subject of narcissism and just like how i adore and um, respect esther perel i also adore and love um dr ramani who is a narcissism expert and she was someone that i came across on youtube as well um and she you know sort of helped me understand more about narcissism or NPD which is narcissistic personality disorder and NPD is a disorder per the DSM or diagnostic manual and what I want to do is essentially discuss how narcissism impacts a relationship and so why I said that this ties in really well with what you've just said all about the insecurity is that narcissism is ultimately a disorder of self-esteem which tends to manifest as grandiosity, grandiosity attention seeking and and all of these you know traits when you listen into the conversation you know such as being entitled or you know someone who's needing constant admiration or validation i could i could hear that mm. from these conversations um, and again, I'm no narcissistic uh, personality disorder expert, but mm. but you know, just words like gaslighting, you wouldn't use that unless you are in a narcissistic relationship with mm. someone. Um, and so it was just you know these red flags that I was picking up. Yeah, and I I think um, I um, when I, when you first were mentioning narcissism as one of your themes Parva, i was quite defensive i don't know why necessarily it seems like quite a harsh word in my head maybe i just you know you hear that and you just think i think that might be an overstatement of what's going on here um of course every you know these are traits that we all have we all have uh you know we can all experience self-importance um we can all feel you know insecure all those kind of things and then to to put that label of narcissism on it, I felt was um, a bit, I don't know, extreme? Yeah, look, and I completely agree with you. So overusing, misusing the word narcissism to, to a common person, that just means, oh, a narcissist is someone who is full of themselves or looks at, their mirror, looks at themselves in the mirror a mm. lot and is just obsessed with them. But actually, it is, we all have traits of narcissism in us, which is, you know, healthy. 
you need that. Um, but when it gets to like an unhealthy territory where it's starting to impact your relationship, not just, you know, with a partner, but at work, with family, that's when you start to diagnose somebody with narcissism or, you know, narcissistic personality disorder. So remember, disorder is always something that um, is, it's only a disorder when it impacts a relationship in an extreme way. Mm. Yeah, and you and I guess, yeah, the examples we've talked about are kind of, uh, kind of pointing towards that in this instance. Correct, yeah. And, and so what does it feel like when you're dating a narcissist or when you're in a relationship with a narcissist? Most often these would be feelings of, I'm not good enough. Mm. Or, you know, I feel invalidated. Mm gaslighted another way or also just you just feel helpless and exhausted to some degree as well because you really have you know the one person you rely on is the one who's just invalidating you is the one who's just telling you constantly that you could do better why don't you come greet me why can't you buy me flowers you you just you just start to build this image of yourself which is just purely inadequate Mm. and would you say there's i mean what would you do i mean it's a difficult question but what would you do if you were with someone demonstrating (laughs) narcissistic tendencies like that i mean do you feel like the but like you said it's in all of us right so we all could do this on some days you know i might display narcissistic tendencies or you might so it's like at what point do you think okay it's reconcilable versus it's kind of just gone beyond the point of any sort of hope i think when it starts to play out in your relationship in a way that is is really making you feel unlike yourself and it feels unhealthy those those to me are red flags and those to me you know stand off as this big question of do i stay in this relationship is Mm. it is it really worth it is this really what i deserve Mm. or do i just walk away and I know it's not just it's not an easy decision to walk away from a relationship like that, but but it's really important to try and identify these these real red flags. Yeah, I think um, for the purpose of this relationship, I mean, they've come to therapy, so that's a positive step. I think the man recognizes that he's not perfect, and I I sense I feel that I got that he got that across to me at least personally. Um, and so I think there, he has a, there is a sense of self awareness. I think that's probably key. At least can can the person who is demonstrating those narcissistic tendencies at least be able to identify? You know, I know I am doing something to contribute to this <laughs> relationship negatively. Like if you can at least get to that point, then I think there's a nice starting foundation for the for you to build upon yeah and i and i guess like you say you know it's unfair to label him as a narcissist because most most times narcissists tend to lack that self-awareness or insight and because they're so full in their own head thinking about whether they are actually perfect mm-hmm. um they tend to forget that you know everything's relational mm-hmm. but you know when you start, when you're obviously in therapy, most narcissists don't go to therapy, by the way, because they feel like they're above it or beyond it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know the fact that he's there and he's quite self-aware. I guess it's it's unfair to label someone like that. But when you see tendencies like this, then you know a diagnostic manual exists where there are disorders 
And as much as you and I dislike labeling people, it's there to to you know for sci- as signs to watch out for, mm. so that you don't you don't end up in a narcissistic relationship. Yeah, yeah. You uh you said a funny thing to me the other day about how some dating advice where if you're in a room with like a whole bunch of really like extroverted, confident, like outgoing guys and you see sort of a kind of quiet, shy guy in the corner, that that is actually the guy that you should end up dating. <laughs> so true. So that these are not my words. Again, it's Dr. No. Brahmini who said that, the narcissistic expert, but that's absolutely right. So, you know, th- we all have confidence or lack of, but when someone stands out there trying to gain all of everyone's attention is is loud extroverted you kind of want to take a step back and wonder why they need all that attention you know why why can't you make a point without all that attention seeking Mm. attitude and so just probably stay away from the charming attention seeking people and look for the kind-hearted men out there like um preet (laughs) (laughs) my baby's too kind um Okay, so that was our themes for the episode. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording because we had a blast. Um, We will be back soon with episode three of the Can You Hear Me podcast. So goodbye for now. Bye, everyone.